Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the seventh installment in our Rocky movie review series. Today we are reviewing Creed. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. Creed is kind of a sequel, but it's also kind of a spinoff, so... It made sense for us to cover it while technically it's not a Rocky movie. Sylvester Stallone is still part of this and Rocky 2 and it does take place in that world. It's a continuation of that and then once we get to Creed 2 there will be another returning character from the franchise. But nevertheless, I gotta say Alan, when Creed was it, you know, there was the kind of the buzz around it in 2015. I just wasn't paying attention to it. I, I mean, what about you? I remember I had heard about it. Um, I, I think it was after the fact, after it had already come out and everything. That's when I heard about it. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of the same with you. I didn't really know much about Creed. I didn't really know what it really, what it was about until I had watched a review, I think, by Chris Duckman. Um, where I realized that it is a part of the Rocky franchise, which again, I hadn't seen at the time. So yeah, I hadn't really paid too much attention to it when it came out back in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if I sound uh, maybe not as energetic as usual, I am I am finishing up my recovery, thankfully, from COVID. Yeah, it's kind of weird because we've actually been out for two weeks, but thanks to the magic of recording ahead of time, mm-hmm. You would never know that we were out for a while. Alan was bored stiff. I was just trying to hang on for dear life. (laughs) (laughs) So thankfully, I'm definitely on the mend now. I feel a lot better. Yeah, there's no way I could have recorded when I had COVID. Uh, No, no. But yeah, I'm doing better now. But like I said, if I don't sound as energetic as usual, if you're wondering what's going on, just a little transparency of what's going on there behind the scenes. Also, make sure to check the description below. That will connect you with uh, our upcoming movie reviews, our um, schedule for 2021. You can check that out. You can also um, check out a curated list of what other episodes to listen to after this one. Of course, timestamps in the description below if you just want to jump to our discussion of the film or even our conclusion. Um, Alan always puts those timestamps down there for you to jump around with. And of course, um, our Patreon page is down there where you can get great bonus content and support us in a financial way. That is awesome. That is really helpful to us. And it's also another great way for us to interact with you as well. Give you some great bonus content. Of course, if you're listening on iTunes, just go ahead and give us a five-star rating. That is a really easy way to support us. It's free. It's quick. That helps us get noticed in the rankings. It helps us get suggested to other people that are interested in this type of stuff. It helps just grow the Silver Screen Guide community. So it's an easy way for you to do that. And of course, we are on all major podcast platforms. 
Um, all of the uh, links to that are in the description. So even if you're not listening on iTunes, no matter where you are, it does really help for us to get those ratings. Um, Rotten Tomatoes looks at iTunes to verify their critics. So that's another reason to um, give us that five-star rating. So that's a great way to support us and help us get verified on Rotten Tomatoes, which is one of our goals for 2021. So Creed came out November 25th, 2015 which just so happened to be the same date that the first Rocky movie opens on when he's fighting Spider Rico. And now that wasn't an accident. They did that on purpose to coincide with the, with the element of the first film, which I, I didn't really realize that at first, but I thought that was cool. But a, an up-and-coming director, Ryan Coogler, had this idea for a spinoff that would follow The Son of Creed. He brought it to Stallone, and he was able to make this movie, which is really cool. Now, Coogler had only done Fruitvale Station with Michael B. Jordan before this. Right. I believe you've seen that movie, Alan. Is that right? Yeah, I I do. I think I used to own it at one point. Um, I might still. But yes, I have seen it um, one time. I remember liking it quite a bit as well. It, it's, it's very much a film that strangely kind of ties into a lot of the Black Lives Matter uh, movements that have been having late, happening lately. Oh. Um, but it, I've, I remember really liking it when I watched it, I don't know how many years ago. Um, so yeah, I, it's quite an interesting film. Now, if you haven't listened to our previous Rocky reviews, then you definitely should, because although this is a spinoff and it's kind of a sequel, it really does play off a lot of the elements of the previous films. And I would say Coogler really does insert a lot that rewards those of us that have watched the previous six films. And what I was really surprised by was that Coogler was able to really breathe some fresh life into this series. Now, we talked about Rocky Balboa last time was kind of the redemption and swan song of the Rocky series. Right. Rocky had hit an all-time low with Rocky V, and uh, Balboa made a comeback in a really strong way with that. Well, would you believe it? Creed is, according to the Rotten Tomatoes critics, considered the highest rated film in the entire franchise. That is surprising given how much the first one is, you know, well-beloved. It is surprising that it got such a high rating. It is one considered 1% better than the first film. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty insane, especially for a it, it's a spin-off slash reboot slash sequel to an already existing franchise that is way too old. Um, yep. So that is surprising that a film like this would get such high scores. Uh, mm -hmm. What other scores did it end up getting on other platforms, though? I'm curious to see if they're all kind of in the same camp. So it has a 3.8 on Letterboxd, which is uh, the second highest outside of the first film. Okay. It has a 7.6 on IMDb. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> Very good. And once again, second highest outside of the first film. Mm -hmm. This was also the only other movie. Um, so currently, Rocky is on the IMDb Top 250. Creed is the only other film in the franchise to chart on the IMDb top 250. And it was only on there for one year in 2015. 
and it was uh, number 236. Nevertheless, that's still impressive. Yeah, it still popped on there for a little bit. Yeah. So um, critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 95% certified fresh. That's crazy. That's huge. Yeah. Audiences gave it an 89%. Uh, according to audience on Rotten Tomatoes, it's the best film in the series. That's surprising. Um, that's really surprising. I, I, I think I mentioned this in the first Rocky review. I wonder how many of those audience reviews are from um, more like people coming back to it after so many years or actually seeing it for the first time. So many years taken back from it. I wonder if... Uh, if it was Creed, maybe that was the one that kind of brought them to watch the original from where it's from where it stemmed from and were surprised maybe by where it where it, where it began. I wonder because that that audience score just seems rather low. I I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah, that is uh, that's an interesting question to think about, and it is important to note this is twenty according to Rotten Tomato audience scores twenty percent higher than the original film, which is significant. That's pretty significant. That is significant. The only other film to get close to this number is Rocky II. Now, this film also is the highest Metascore in the entire series with a strong 82 for Metascore. That's really strong. What was the first one? What was the Metascore for the first one? Was it 70? Okay. Yeah, again, that's that's significant. pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, no other film in the series is close to this. It's just like you said, Alan, the only the first film is close to this. And even that's not too close. Right. So it, from what I'm seeing, um, judging on the scores we've talked about so far, it sure sounds like um, people who watch Creed are thinking that it's just as good um, or better than the original Rocky, which is kind of like a staple in American film. Um, so that's high, high praise for a movie that's a spinoff reboot um, and sequel, kind of all in the same kind of film to be coming out in 2015, which at this time was no, we're no strangers to reboots at this point. Um, so, no. but what was the cinema score? Because that, that kind of really shows what people were thinking when they come out of the theater. The cinema score is an A. Okay. So again, that's really high. So I'm, yeah. this is surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, it is surprising. The only other thing that I can think of that did come out, that also came out in 2015, that could match this in kind of numbers and also being a later installment in a series is Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Yeah. And even then the, the original, th those original three films were kind of niche. Um, yep. especially the first one. Um, so having that reboot come out is, I am, yeah, you're right. I think the, that's kind of its biggest contender and being that Mad Max Fury Road is rated R and this is rated PG-13, it's going to draw in a lot more audience, um, with its slower rating. Now the film's budget is a really modest 35 million. Mm, okay. Uh, for 2015, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a low budget. Yeah. Yeah, especially for, I mean, Rocky films have always been not too high on budget just anyways, kind of in general. Um, yeah. Some of them got somewhat high, but they haven't really crossed like the 50 million mark, I don't think. Um, right. So they've at least have modest, they've had, they've had modest budgets, but they've never had anything crazy. And they always never, never needed it either, so. Yeah, they've never really needed that kind of budget. So they've, they've been very modest. 
um, hits in that way. Opening weekend is where this film finally falters. This is the chink in this movie's armor. Mm-hmm. It's been really praiseworthy so far. But nevertheless, audiences just really weren't curious to see it opening weekend. It was number three at the box office hmm. with $29.6 million. So I'm guessing maybe word of mouth got around and it ended up performing much better in the box office when it was all said and done. Is that Am I, am I correct in that assumption? So ultimately, the film did well. It um, never went higher than a three in its second weekend went to four and then four again and then five and then ultimately down to 11 um christmas christmas day weekend okay yeah so never really went too crazy domestically it grossed 109.7 million um in the foreign markets 63 million for a worldwide total of 173.5 million now you may be thinking Those aren't blockbuster numbers, and yeah, technically, it's not the highest in the series, even even adjusting for inflation, but nevertheless, as Alan has mentioned, this is a 40-year-old franchise. It's also a spinoff, and Mm -hmm. it's talking about characters that this generation really hasn't heard of unless their parents have brought it up to them, like like what happened with Ryan Coogler. That's the only way he knew it, is through his dad. Right. So- Something that should be noted, though, is keep in mind, Rocky Balboa grossed $70 million. This movie grossed about $40 million, more than that. And it also did better, um, well, it actually did worse <laughs> overseas, um, but it did slightly better worldwide. Now, the one other big thing to know before we talk about this film is that this marked the series' return to the Academy Awards. The last time the series was there was with Rocky Three for, you guessed it, Eye of the Tiger. And now you may be thinking, is this going to be another kind of, is Ryan Coogler going to be another Wonderkind like Sylvester Stallone was? Stallone got, uh, there's 10 nominations for his film Rocky. He got writing um, and acting and whatnot. Well, no, not really. This actually marks Sylvester Stallone's return to the Oscars. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And he is one of a very, very few to be nominated twice for the same character. That is, yeah, that is a bit surprising given that it's been, oh, geez, whenever, however long 1976 was from 2015, um, a, a good yeah, number of years, years since he... Um, since that original film. So, yeah, uh, I take it he didn't win, though. Uh, looks like he just got a, a nomination, but still, that's pretty significant. He did not win. He ultimately lost it out to Mark Rylance for his role in Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Alan, it's 2015. You have... I want you to approach it from two different ways. I want you to approach it from... You've seen all the Rocky movies because you clearly have now, but back in 2015, you hadn't. So if you have seen the Rocky movies, are you curious? If you haven't, does this get you interested in the franchise? So I'm going to approach it first with um, with I haven't seen any of the Rocky films. Um, I would be curious about this one. You know, a remake, a re- or I guess more of a, a reboot slash sequel of 
of of the original franchise. I wouldn't, since I don't really know much about it, I would be skeptical to see, like, you know, is it, and do I need to see those original films before I come to this one? Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested. I don't know if I would see it until maybe after I watch it, maybe at least the first one. Um, but, yeah, now, if I had already had the, you know, foreknowledge of the previous Rocky films, I would still be kind of skeptical because I know what remakes are like nowadays. They can be rather hit or miss, and, you know, they can very oftentimes are misses. Um, but I would be still be curious. I would probably end up seeing it in the theater to, you know, see what it was about. Because maybe it is, you know, more of its own identity, more of its own thing, just at the same time still tied to that Rocky franchise. So I think that I think I'd be still be curious. I might end up seeing it in the theater. Um, I did watch two trailers for this. The first one that they put out is much better because it doesn't give a whole lot away. But it does kind of show that this is a spinoff from that original series. The second trailer I watched gives way too much away. Um, so there is that to contend with. But yeah, I would be curious. I'd probably end up seeing in the theater with the foreknowledge of those previous Rocky films. Well, continuing our tradition of being opposite on what we think of the trailers. <laughs> <laughs> so I do vaguely remember this trailer in 2015. I was 20 years old. Yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was 20 at the time. Um, you know, I remember the opening of the trailer a bit and the closing shot of him running, those stuck with me. But at the time I was in college, I wasn't going to the theater very much. Um, the only time I remember being at the theater that year was going to the second run theater to see The Revenant and Bridge of Spies with my dad um, during the Oscar season. But I wasn't running out to see Creed then, and I wouldn't be today. After reviewing all the Rocky films, of course I'm curious and will eventually see it, but likely not in theaters. Otherwise, if I don't know Rocky from Adam, I don't have a reason to be interested in this movie. I don't like the way the trailer is edited, and Jordan's generic voiceover at the end and Rocky's corny line isn't an impactful way to cap off the trailer. So... Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm pretty harsh on this trailer. And that's coming from films where I don't think their trailers have been that good anyway. So I don't think I've mentioned this yet so far in the podcast, but I haven't seen this movie at all. I don't I mean, I, I only saw the trailer. Um, that's my only familiarity with it. Um, I did get the Blu-ray for Christmas a number of years ago. It sat on my shelf. This whole time, I just pulled it out, popped it in my player for the first time for this review. Yeah, um, I'm kind of the same way, except I didn't own the Blu-ray. Um, I have heard of it, like I mentioned, but that's about as far as it goes. All I know is that it was good and that it's attached to the Rocky franchise and it starts Michael B. Jordan. And I don't think I even saw when I had heard of it, I don't even think I saw Fruitvale Station at the time, but I think it wasn't long after that when I, when I did watch it. So that's the only tie I have to it is knowing that the star in this one is also the star in a previous film that I ended up watching later. So yeah, I again with kind of the same way with all these other movies um, in this in this retrospective, haven't seen um, any of them. This is my first time for all these movies. Well, listeners, if you haven't seen Creed and you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now, and then come back and click play after you've watched the movie, and we'll be ready to talk about it. Apollo Creed, who was played by Carl Weathers, 
was the heavyweight champion boxing of the world at one point. He's been deceased for over a decade. Little does anyone realize, but his son is duking it out in juvie. Why does no one know? Well, it just so happened Apollo Creed cheated on his wife, Marianne, who has been recast by Felicia Rashad. And before he could see his love child born, he died in the ring fighting Ivan Drago. We'll talk more about that next week. Young Donnie Johnson, a.k.a. Adonis Creed, played by Alex Henderson, doesn't even realize his own lineage. Thanks to the kind heart of Marianne, she adopts him as her own and raises him to be a successful young businessman. Except now all grown up, he secretly fights across the border in Tijuana, Mexico. See, Donnie feels the call to be a boxer, just like his father. But he must follow his passion, so he quits his job, heads to the Delphi Gym, home to Apollo Creed, and begs Tony Little Duke Burton, played by Wood Harris, to train him. When he is refused, he challenges the best at the gym, and after a tough first go, he is swiftly defeated by Danny Stuntman Wheeler, played by real-life professional boxer Andre Ward. Realizing he needs a trainer, Donnie moves from LA to Philadelphia to seek out none other than Rocky Balboa, reprised by Sylvester Stallone. Donnie hits up Mickey's gym, which is still standing, but once there, he keeps his identity under wraps. Initially, Rocky refuses to train Donnie because his boxer's life is a tumultuous one. Meanwhile, Donnie meets musically talented Bianca, played by Tessa Thompson, who lives in his building. At first, the two have a rocky relationship since her music keeps him up all night, but quickly they form an attraction that turns into a serious relationship. While all of this is happening, Wheeler and international champion Pretty Ricky Conlon, played by real-life professional boxer Tony Ballou, are getting ready to duke it out. But at their weigh-in, Conlon loses his temper, Wheeler takes one on the jaw, and sues him and the boxing corporation sponsoring the fight. Conlon was already on thin ice for a gun possession charge, but now he really needs something to get his name back on top of the boxing world. Back in Philly, Rocky has agreed to train Donnie, and his first major fight will be against Leo the Lion Sparino, played by Gabe Rosada. His father, Pete, played by Richie Coster, is jealous Rock won't train his son. What's so special about this new kid, and why is he calling Rocky Unk, short for uncle? Well, he finds out Donnie Johnson is actually the love child of Apollo Creed, which he spills to the press. This news rocks the boxing world, and it's just the sort of publicity Pretty Ricky needs. His manager, Tommy Holliday, played by Graham McTavish, who also starred with Stallone in the movie Rambo, offers Donnie fame, fortune, and a serious fight, albeit with the caveat he must use the name Creed instead of Johnson. Accepting he's a Creed has been hard for Donnie, since he's felt abandoned by his father, despite wishing to follow in his footsteps. With the help of Rocky, he comes to understand he is a Creed. His father would be proud, and he has to make his own legacy. But Donnie isn't the only one with a fight on his hands. Rocky is diagnosed with cancer. Of course, the news hits him hard, but he has no one left in his life. His son, Robert, has moved to Canada with his girlfriend. Polly has passed away. And although Donnie is the closest thing he has left to family, he believes it's his time to go, therefore he refuses chemo. Mad that Rocky is just giving up, it's Donnie's turn to give the inspirational speeches. Rocky changes his mind, realizing this kid is worth living for. Rocky does become seriously ill, 
but thankfully Donnie takes care of him, and Rocky does his best to finish Donnie's training before the fight. Once the fight arrives, Donnie does give Pretty Ricky a run for his money. Through an intense fight, Donnie nearly loses, but then nearly wins, except Ricky is saved by the bell and retains his title through the judges' split decision. In a poignant final scene, Rocky and Donnie walk up the Philadelphia Art Museum steps together, one step at a time, into an optimistic future as credits roll. So, yeah, uh, it's pretty clear from your plot summary. This is a rather dense plot. There are a lot of moving pieces here to this one. Oh, yeah, big time. I watched this movie on Wednesday. We're recording Saturday morning. I was watching this movie and I'm like, okay, I like that this plot is laid out well in the sense that it like it transitions pretty well between different um different points in the film i'm like okay this plot summary will be easy to write yeah right (laughs) yeah it's easy probably not too bad if you do it like immediately after you watch the movie i came to the plot summary about 48 hours later i my initial draft i didn't even mention rocky's cancer because i forgot Mm mm-hmm And I'm like, oh, shoot, I nearly didn't mention that because, yeah, this movie is fairly complex and we get new characters. We also have quite a few characters to juggle. And um, these characters go through a lot in their life, especially with Rocky getting cancer. Yeah. Yeah. So given that there was a lot of moving pieces, um, my initial thought was going to be, you know, the more complex you go, you can very easily fall into the trap of, you know, now it's just overbloated. Um, the film had right. just feeling like it's overblown. There's too much to it. Um, I was fearing that maybe that would be the case for Creed. I don't think I ever really felt that way. I feel like everything that's presented in the film has a reason to be there. Like there's a good reason for everything that's presented here. While it does have a lot of moving pieces, there really isn't anything here that I feel is, you know, that doesn't need to be there, right? I feel like everything yeah. at least has some kind of purpose. And so while comparing this to the original, which was very simplistic and pretty much was just following a guy's life for half of it, and then showing how different, how, showing how it changes when he's given an extraordinary opportunity, that film's rather simplistic, right? It's a, not very complex when it comes to all the plot elements. This is almost the complete opposite. There are so many things here, but that does not necessarily mean that at least to me, I didn't feel like, you know, it's over, it's, it's overblown. I felt like everything that's here works just as well. Um, if it were here or if everything that's here, I feel works great. Like there's no reason for anything to be taken out. And so I was surprised by that a little bit. Now I'm going to attribute that to Claudia Castello and Michael Shaver, who are the editors for this film. They have also worked with Kugler on Fruitvale Station and Black Panther. Okay. There is about 20 minutes of cut footage. Oh, geez. Yeah, which is quite a bit to include on the Blu-ray. You usually don't get that much footage. But nevertheless, with that um, footage left in, this movie, we would be looking at about 153 minutes or wow. two hours and 33 minutes. <clears throat> That's That'd be a really long film. Uh, around two and a half hours. I mean, I think we're already getting close to, especially we're, with how much is already happening in this film. We're getting pretty close to what it, I guess you can consider out, like a big, almost like an epic related kind of story here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So adding that much in, maybe it could have pushed it to that point, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen him. I have watched all the cut footage from this film that was available. They rightfully cut all of it. 
It's not that any of it is bad or necessarily a waste of time, but there's a lot. And this movie would be interesting. It's almost like watching a 20 minute version of the film. Actually, Mm. Um, there is some scenes that I feel like they get to the point without the super long scene. Um, nevertheless, but yeah, so for all of our praise for how well the pacing of this movie goes, that's because they cut out a lot of extraneous footage. And if it was left in, I think we'd be saying the exact opposite, honestly. Okay. I got you. Interesting. One thing I wasn't expecting this movie to do was start eight years after the events of Rocky five. Mm-hmm. 1998 i was really shocked they were going back to the 90s because i knew this was a modern day film but nevertheless i'm even more shocked that it's a juvie a a child's uh juvie and we see this kid fighting and i'm like okay well clearly this has to be our main character what in the world is apollo creed's son doing in juvie Yeah. yeah um because last time we saw Creed's kids was in Rocky two. They were running around his house and I'm like, Oh, is that little, uh, Adonis Creed? Yeah. It comes to find out, uh, Apollo was kind of unfaithful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Apollo was a bit, uh, cheated on his wife <laughs> to put it lightly <laughs> or, uh, whatever. So yeah, it, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what you think about this plot point because it's kind of like the central driving force for our main character is that he was born out of his father's infidelity. Um, what what are your thoughts on it? Because I'm, I'm curious to know, because I again, that's like one of the biggest points to the film. Yeah, at first I kind of, kind of pushed back against the thought that Creed cheated on his wife, but I do feel like there is enough room for character interpretation for him to go that way, especially um, when we do see him in the, at least in the first and second films, where he does really seem kind of full of himself on top of the world. Um, we know like Arnold Schwarzenegger did that, for instance, and mm-hmm. he had a child out of wedlock. And so I guess it's not too far off that Creed, who had the ego, the size of an elephant, um, wasn't quite faithful to his wife, unfortunately. Now, on the flip side of that, I think this is also integral to Donnie's character because he is the son of Creed, but at the same time, he was illegitimately begotten. So does that mean he is an illegitimate boxer? Is he the illegitimate heir? I think that's something this film does very well is this character struggles with his place in the Creed lineage, does he, he is, does have the blood, but at the same time, um, he is illegitimate in that, uh, wedlock factor. So I think it was actually a smart move. Yeah. I was also same with you. I was a bit surprised that they went down this route with the character of Creed, who is, you know, he's rather beloved, especially in the, in the Rocky franchise, especially for what becomes of him in the later films. So, I was surprised. I was like, wow, they're going down this route. I'm I'm a bit shocked that, uh, you know, they're taking this road um, at first. And I was I, I didn't really know what to think about it, but I was like, OK, I want to keep my mind open. I want to see where they take it, because, you know, it can very well be completely a completely different story with uh, with where they take this. Right. And I was pleasantly surprised 
that the route that they go down is that of legacy, right? This whole, like one of the central driving themes of this is, you know, one's legacy um, and leaving behind uh, and and what you do with the legacy that you're like kind of following, especially from your father um, who ends up being like, who ends up for the, a good while being the world champion. So yeah, being that that's like the main driving force of the film, I was surprised that they went down that route at first. Um, but I kind of understood why that was needed later on in the film when, you know, Donnie is trying to, like, he's trying to make his own, he's trying to make himself his own, right? He doesn't really want the title of of his father um, to, as he sees it, to overshadow him, right? He doesn't want to follow in that anymore. He wants to make things his own. And so when he, uh, when he does follow, when he does eventually just accept it and take it on and then show that, you know, just because my father did this horrible thing doesn't not necessarily mean that the name is necessarily ruined. That's where I felt like, you know, okay, now I understand why they went down this route. At first, it's kind of a risky move, I would say, to go down this route because yeah. Apollo Creed is definitely, at least in the films, did not come off um, as anything close to that. But come to find out, it's a, a bit of a secret that it, at one point it did, right? And that's really all they really get into it. They don't really explore, like, what happened. Like, maybe it was before... Uh, he maybe it was like before all of his children were born or whatever. Um, so yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I ended up actually liking this plot point because of how integral it is to our main character. Yeah, and it's something that is addressed like immediately in the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not kind of fully out in the open or necessarily explored until the probably towards like the middle of the film. And even I was still kind of in denial almost i'm like but wait that means creed would have had to have cheated on his wife is that what you're telling me now once again this is of course i don't know how much sylvester stallone had input with this but this was kugler's idea this was never canonical Mm -hmm. in the original films but i think it's i think it works with the character donnie doesn't really address it too much in the movie he addresses more so the legacy aspect but there is a deleted scene where he talks about it with rocky where he's like well my dad must have been not that great of a man because he cheated on his wife right and um i think that kind of gave me the feeling and another reminded me of like martin luther king jr who was this really great man that everybody looked up to but come to find out he wasn't faithful to his wife and I think that does kind of taint his outlook um, to some people and whatnot. So I think that's probably important to start from that standpoint of kind of this fallen hero that Apollo was great, but he really wasn't everything that we thought he was. And that helps us um, start with a flawed character in the form of his son, which I thought was um, very interesting. Now, I am pleasantly surprised to see that we do get some new characters in this mm-hmm. movie. And I got to say, probably one of my favorite parts of the this film and even the sequel is uh, Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson's relationship. I think they've got a really, they're like really well written and acted. And I think they're like, have a really great chemistry and dynamic relationship in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. There's a scene later on. I think it's I think it's their first date that they go on um, where they go to. I think it's Max's, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but essentially, they like they go eat, they go to eat out. Right. He asks her out and she said yes. 
Mm. And they like get some food and then they sit down and it's like this, it's like almost, almost completely all red and like orange uh, as we're seeing in the booth. That was when I ended up being one of my favorite scenes. It's just because it, it also, uh, while it is like exploring, you know, at the very beginning stages of their relationship, it's also kind of showing a bit more of the life of Philadelphia, right? And so, yeah, you're right. I absolutely agree with you that their their chemistry works really, really well um, between them two, and then also their developing relationship. Uh, they're by far one of the best one of the best elements of this film, in my in my own opinion, because of how well they work together and how also how kind of integral she is because she's also battling with something of her own, right? She's a music artist, but she's going deaf, right? And yeah. so it's kind of cool to see, you know, how everyone has, everyone in this film has their own like personal battle that they have to go through and they have to overcome it by the end of the film. Of course, our main character has it um, by overcoming, you know, the shadowed legacy that he sees before him with his father. And you've also got Tessa Thompson's character, Bianca, who's going deaf, um, but is still wanting to sing. And then you've, of course, you've got later on in the film, um, you've got Rocky who has been diagnosed with cancer. So yeah, this kind of becomes and ends up ends up becoming a film about like, um, about fighting your own battle kind of a thing uh, with all of its main characters. And that's an area where I think this film improves upon, well, where the original and its sequels never really went is because the other movies got so caught up in just Rocky's struggle that all the other characters really didn't have much to do except yeah. figure out ways to be, I don't know, support systems for Rocky. Whereas this movie really humanizes the characters in ways, honestly, I, I don't think we've ever seen in this franchise before. And it actually makes these characters important and something to do. And it also makes our lead not the center of the universe. And that's uh, portrayed really well in the scene where um, right before Bianca's show, um, Creed punches the other act that's performing with her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I had a show to do. Uh, do I come to one of your boxing matches and start punching people? Right, right. And um, I, I really appreciated that because Adrian honestly never had anything to do except except pull against Rocky's wills and wishes. And I think honestly, her like shining moment was in Rocky three on the beach and Rocky five in the street in the middle of the night. But once again, it's just so over been there and done that of yelling at Rocky to stop being a blockhead. Whereas mm -hmm. I feel like this stuff is much more meaningful and organic. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has everyone has a meaningful place in the film. Whereas in those previous few Rocky films, aside from the first one, it felt like like you were just saying, all the characters didn't really have much to do. They <laughs> maybe had like a scene where they would they would actually shine like with Adrian, but that was about it. That was all that they were there for. Mm -hmm. Um, this one's the complete opposite. It feels like everyone who is here has like they the film would not work without this character. Like if Bianca was never in the film, I don't think the film would work nearly as well with without her. So yeah, it's it's very much a film that takes everything. I like I mentioned this before. It's a film that takes everything that it has in its film or in its story and uses it to its full potential. And we see that through at least these three main characters is how much how important they really are to not only just the integral development of our main character, but also to themselves, right? So so yeah, I'm I'm surprised, but also relieved that, you know, while again, while it is rather complex film and it has a lot of moving pieces to it, everything seems to work and, and, and ride really smoothly. 
Yeah. And the other thing that is just really foreign to a Rocky film is Rocky not being invincible, it seems like. And that's the thing. In every single film, Rocky has a new brain injury. And it doesn't ultimately matter. He's able to fight and it really degrades the like severity or the impact of it whatsoever. This time he has cancer and he really does like go downhill visibly and physically. And I honestly found his uh, Sylvester Stallone's performance to be touching when he breaks down about the end of his life about he's like, Polly's gone. Adrian's gone. I don't have really anything left. My son is just kind of moved on with his life. And he's like, I trained you. I did what I could do with that. Um, but at first I was wondering, I'm like, so why did Stallone get nominated? Is it just because he came back? And I'm like, he honestly gives, I found a genuinely investing performance here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also kind of, you know, against what we know about the character of Rocky, who again, because he is a fighter and He's always fought against everything that's come up against him, right? This is the one film which is kind of, it's kind of strange because it is, you know, so far out of the actual Rocky universe uh, being so many years old. But now we see him coming back and he's like, I'm not even going to fight it, right? I'm just going to let it happen because he feels as if he has nothing else really to live for at this point, right? As as you were just saying, everyone who has been important to him in those previous films, are, they're all gone. So it's kind of like a subversion of expectations to see Rocky just essentially giving up, which is the first time um, that we've ever seen him do that, right? He's always come close, like, you know, I don't know if I can do it or whatever, but he's always gone the distance, right? That's always when what those previous films were like really hearkening on. And this time he's like, there's no escape from this. So I'm just not even going to fight it, right? And it's kind of heartbreaking at first to see the character of Rocky who's gone through, especially when you watch the previous six films, it's coming here and he's like giving up on life at this point like he's just gonna let it happen not even gonna go through with any of the therapy um it's really interesting to see something like that i was not expecting that coming into this film because that doesn't really hit until about i don't think about halfway when they finally bring in um the fact that he actually has cancer and is diagnosed so yeah it very much subverted my expectations seeing that and how much he was not willing to go through and actually fight it he was ready to give up but of course that ends up not happening because uh, Michael B. Jordan's character Donnie actually pushes him through, and they they use each other to help fight they each other. Use each other to fight what they're going through. It did pull up my heartstrings a little bit because we've been on this journey with this character, and he was like so young and tough and ripped, mm-hmm. and now to see him be frail and he can't even do the um like the some of the boxing moves with donnie he says like i can't do that anymore he's like where i train you is up here with your mind and i thought that was really a poignant moment as well but yeah it it was kind of kind of hard to watch that and i i was genuinely surprised i'm like oh rocky movie is kind of um kind of getting at my emotions so i was very impressed that coogler was able to basically come into this franchise and maneuver these characters organically into these situations. And I, I got to say, because Kugler wrote and directed the film, I was pretty impressed that he was able to do this because Stallone has never, honestly, Stallone has never really been able to do this one. I would say outside of maybe the first two, as far as these kind of like, just like real to life or heavy situations go. So to just kind of have this newcomer come in and do it to this franchise is very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. It's really nice to see somebody else who hasn't really been on the 
on any of the Rocky films beforehand to come in and like kind of bring in their own interpretations of it. And we get to see that play on screen without really any involvement of the guy who's done all of them up until now. It's kind of surprising to see um, that Sylvester Stallone is pretty much, at least as far as I'm aware, pretty much hands off on this project, letting somebody else take the reins um, mm-hmm. and interpret it their own way. That's surprising, uh, especially because it is kind of his baby. He It was the thing that made him who Sylvester Stallone is now. Um, or even in the 80s, right? That Because we talked about in the first one, he came from nothing and then all of a sudden Rocky came out and all of a sudden he's a he's a superstar, right? So it is surprising to yeah. see such a beloved uh, franchise being handed over, at least for this one film, um, to somebody else to see what they can do with it. That is surprising. And I do like where, Ro- where Ryan Cooler goes with this because it, it does breathe a lot of new life back into a franchise that after so many films, especially watching them like back to back, week after week, Starts to get a little bit stale and gets a bit repetitive. Um, so it's really nice to see some, you know, not just a new actor kind of taking the helm, but at the same time, just like new lives, bringing, showing different things while still remaining in the same universe. Yeah. And it's like even there was um, those references to like Adrian's restaurant mm-hmm. and um, also it was um, Duke's son who was now the trainer at the Delphi gym. Yep. And they went back to Mickey's gym. I do like that they moved away from Mickey's gym. Creed wasn't going to train there. He went to go train at the Front Street gym because like that time had like moved on. So I like that the film doesn't get caught up in nostalgia. But at the same time, it really does connect with those other movies, especially I, especially um Rocky Balboa, which has always kind of felt like an outlier to me in the franchise because it came like whatever, like 16 years after Rocky five. And which is kind of this like, like return swan song, hurrah special almost mm-hmm. where it does feel connected with that um, movie also and connects across the other sequels, like shockingly well for someone who, like you said, has had no involvement with the other projects. That's something I was shocked about because usually when people come in to franchises to and it's different directors and different writers. Just look at um, Star Wars um, Episode 7 and Episode 8. J.J. Abrams' vision for The Force Awakens as opposed to Ryan Johnson's vision for The Last Jedi, uh, those visions clash so strong and so hard, whereas this is able to connect onto those onto the already existing series so well. Yeah, and this one feels to me like it's the most genuine since the first film, right? We've noted that at least with the first one, I, used, I think I remember mentioning, mentioning this, that one felt like it just came from a very genuine place because, it. I mean, the story behind it um, shows how much they was writing on this script, right? And so it, it also kind of just leads into how much you can really see the writer and the director's passion to make Rocky one, right? And mm-hmm. we, all, I also noted that while there are elements in the later films, it doesn't necessarily feel like there is as much, there wasn't, a, it didn't feel like there was as much genuine passion, or at least it didn't come off that way in those later films. This is, again, this is probably the most genuine that of any of the Rocky films, at least uh, aside from the first one, right? This one feels like it's coming from a place of, of passion and has a story to tell while also trying to build a world. It tries to play with, at least with those slice of life elements like the first one had, but still trying to tell its own story, right? And I really appreciate that kind of a thing because it shows how much you know the director wants to tell their vision of a story, whether it be something that they own or not in this case. So that's also another thing too for me is that 
it's another one, it's another film in the Rocky franchise where it feels like it's very genuine with what it wants to say, what it wants to tell. Yeah, and even on the technical side, I don't think they slouched on this movie whatsoever. I think this movie looks really good. Yeah, it does. It does. And I, I'm sure you noticed, Alan, because you're always like really noticing this stuff. Um, Creed's um, first like big fight, his main fight, it's one shot. Yeah, there are a couple long takes in it, but that was the most impressive one where they do a whole, I think it's a whole round and a half or so. Um, basically two rounds where it's just one long unbroken shot. That was that was by far the one of the most standout elements of the film is just that that scene right there, right? I think it's yeah. his first fight that he has after training with Rocky um, and it's all done in one take. That's yeah. very impressive, very, very impressive because we'd never seen that in a Rocky film um, until this point. No, and the other thing that kind of blew me away is this is a... This is a boxing movie, so you would think that maybe there would be some shaky cam. There is a lot of really great just tracking shots mm -hmm. in this movie or where the camera just like sits still. So as far as like the technical aspects go on this movie, I'm really impressed with how it's shot. Um, even with um, Creed's like walkout for the final fight, it's all one shot from yep. behind. And yep. we never get to see their expressions or the crowd or anything else. We are like a part of his crew walking out with him. And I was like, oh man, this is, this is really good choices. Um, Kugler's instincts for this film on how to shoot it are just so impressive, especially because he's really young. And yeah. I, I mean, honestly, we haven't reviewed any of his other movies, but I want to see what he can do else outside of Black Panther. Um, which I feel like kind of has to fit a little bit of a Marvel mold to it. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see, um, I'm very curious to see Fruitvale Station now. I'm actually very excited for that, but I'm really curious to see because I just honestly felt like Black Panther didn't show off what he could do fully. So I'm, I really think he has a bright uh, future, just like, honestly, I'm thinking of other young directors like um, Damien Chazelle with how impressive they can do certain mm. things. Yeah, absolutely. You should definitely, if you like how this one felt, this one looks, from my memory, um, Fruitvale Station is a lot more handheld. I don't know if there are too many long takes, but it's very much centered around realism, right? That Fruitvale Station, from my memory, it's very much centered around that. So um, yeah, if you like, if you like Creed, you will probably like um, Fruitvale Station. Again, from my memory, it's been about five or six years since I've actually watched it. But yeah, that's another one where if you like this, you'll probably, and you want to see more from this director, definitely check out Fruitvale Station. That really showed, these two films really show um, how, like, how good of a director he can be when he's on his own terms. What did you think of Lud Ludwig Gorenson's score? I was surprised. I I was wondering, um, I was wondering if it was going to be like a composer that really isn't well known. But Ludwig is now he did the score for Tenet most recently, and he's done a lot of other things too. So he's a very good composer. Um, I like it. I don't think it's. I, I guess I didn't see it nearly as standout as some of the previous Rocky films. Um, but I do like it. I think it is. A good, a good score. It is very different. And I feel like it, it does feel like more so a product of now, whereas yeah. you could definitely tell the scores were older, but I really liked the music. I liked what they wrote. 
and Tessa Thompson performed. Um, I do like that there also does feel like a different element to it that Kugler brings and um, a different focus on the music as well. So I like the score um, quite a bit also. Um, and even like I said, back to uh, the editing, I think the fight, like the final fight is shot really well. I uh, One of my favorite points in it is there's kind of this like cerebral KO where Ricky just knocks out Donnie and Donnie remembers like his loved ones and um, when his mom got him out of juvie and then ultimately there's just that silent shot of his dad in the ring and then he just like comes back like the spirit of his dad is like infused in him and he just jumps back up so just some really fun things like that as well. Yeah you definitely get to see like that redemption and the legacy that his dad left behind because he's knocked out almost pretty similarly to um, how his dad went out right um, he gets a he gets a hit to the face and he just falls down like a tree right mm-hmm. but we do get to see how yeah is like you were just saying his father like flashes before his uh, before him and then he like you know wakes back up and that reinvigorates him um so yeah it, it's it feels like you know this is of course the climax of the film so it's him going up against the legacy of his father right so it's it's interesting um that they went down this route where you know it's almost like a replay in some aspects to what happened when his father did die in the ring but yeah, I, I did end up liking that because it, if it gives it kind of reminds the audience like what you know what he's fighting for exactly in this film. Did you have any other positives you wanted to touch on? Um, um oh, I do want to talk about uh Ryan Coo not not Ryan Coogler, uh Conlon. I want I do want to talk about Conlon just for a second because he's also kind of battling with his own legacy, right? We find out pretty early mm-hmm. on that he is um going to jail well after in a few months um <laughs> after he after he fights he was going to fight a different fighter but then he broke he broke his jaw <laughs> so that didn't mm-hmm. happen um but yeah it's it's interesting too because he the the big fear with him with his character is that of uh what's he going to leave behind for his family right that's like the biggest thing with his character is what he's going to leave behind for them and so he has to fight somebody so that they don't go broke, I think is what I ended up reading into it as. Um, so, and also, also to somewhat save his career uh, for later on. So it's it was interesting that, you know, while uh, while our main character is also fighting against, you know, the legacy that's set before him, the villain is also fighting for his legacy that he has now before it's essentially trash and he can't do much with it. So that I ended up liking too. They're, they're, they don't explore it too much. It's not, you know, they don't go too deep into it, but it is interesting that, you know, this character, the villain is essentially once this fight is over, he's going to jail and that's it for him. You know, how is he going to, how is he going to handle the legacy that he can build now uh, with this final fight? I did think that was a unique take on an antagonist because in all the other Rocky films, our villains have nothing to lose. They basically have everything to gain. Whereas this kind of flips that and... He does have a lot riding on this. He is what who what was once kind of the champion. He's now, you know, yeah, he's been sued. Um, he's really not viewed in a good light. A lot of people don't want to fight him anymore. And um, he's really cast his uh, place in doubt. And I think that is a smart move because Donnie is at this point, just because he's Creed's son, he's still a nobody and he's really not that good at boxing. Mm-hmm. So um, having him go off against somebody that also really needs this fight, I thought that was a smart move instead of, I mean, 
we've seen probably every other scenario worked out before, which was just like uh, Rocky gets pulled out of obscurity, rematch, um, defending the title, avenging his friend, boxing for fun, street fighting. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. That's a really good point that um, our character is a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more to him than usual. Um, the other thing that I really liked about this movie, something we've honestly never seen in a Rocky movie before, is we're starting with a young fighter that kind of knows the basics of boxing, but there's still so much he doesn't know. He's really like not that good. And I like that it's not just just because he has the blood of Creed in him, he's really good, or he's right. just naturally good. He's got an aptitude towards it, but he doesn't necessarily... Um, know much about it whereas in the first rocky film rocky's been boxing for six years right yeah he needs trained but it's actually cool to spend time i think the the whole like first half of this movie with the training i found it to be interesting because he's really just not that good nobody really wants to give him a chance right right no you're absolutely right it's kind of interesting to see how even though he has like you're just saying just because he has the name of Creed doesn't necessarily mean anything. He actually doesn't really know how to fight outside of some of the brawls he gets himself into in Mexico um, later. I, I actually, I think it's the first scene in the film. So, or it's one of the first things in the film. So yeah, it's kind of interesting to see just because he has the name of Creed does not necessarily, again, just because he has the name of Creed behind him doesn't necessarily mean that that is what defines him, right? He, um, it's not necessarily a thing that is going to, you know, cause him to be one way or the other. It's interesting that, you know, he doesn't know how to fight until after he meets Rocky. Now, there are a couple things in this movie that I could I could probably do without. I would say one of the bigger ones is I really don't like um, the holdover from Rocky Balboa with these boxer stats where it freeze frames and we get to know their stats mm -hmm. and their nicknames. I didn't like that. I felt like that uh, made the movie feel like a video game and just really yeah. took me out of it. And I, it just kind of almost lowered the professionalism a bit for me. It, I didn't like it in Balboa and I didn't like it here. Are these, I know the um, main antagonist is like an actual boxer. Are all of the ones that do have like that card where it shows like all the statistics, are they also actual boxers? Um, yes, except for, um, his first fight against the Sporino, uh, Leo the Lion or whatever with all the tattoos. Yeah. He is not. Okay. Okay. I guess it makes sense then. Um, but yeah, I, I can, I kind of, at first I was taken aback by it. Like that's an interesting choice that they would, that they would do that where they would stop the film and show their statistics. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of like allowing us to get into the world. Like this is what kind of fighters you know, um, that are big in this world. So I, I, at first it bothered me. I kind of got used to it after a little bit of it. Uh, Cause it does it a few times. I got, I got used to it after a while. So it didn't bother me too much, but I, I do know where you're coming from. It was kind of like, it was kind of weird at first, but yeah. Yeah. They also present a lot of information and I wasn't able to read it all. They don't want to leave it there for too long. Cause that would be terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but nevertheless, I was surprised. I, I didn't like that choice. Um, but I mean, I guess I will say that I do like that there are professional boxers in this movie 
I do like that they carried that over from Bal- Rocky Balboa with Antonio Tarver, him fighting a real life boxer. And these people are real boxers, real professional boxers. They're yeah. not actors. Right. So I thought I liked that as well. I will say Michael B. Jordan does give a pretty solid overall performance. I think he emotes a lot of um, like frustration and anger, but also a lot of kind of this wondrous new, like I want to build my own legacy, emotes some love as well. I did find his performance to be bad though in one section. Is right before um, his first fight with Sperino and he's really nervous, like all the sound kind of like drowns out and he's just like doing this like, yeah, I'm into it. And it is comedic when he all of a sudden pops back on and he's like, cut off my gloves. Cut off yeah. my gloves. Yeah. You know, I got to go take a dump or yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and I, I found it to be comedic. I just didn't buy his performance. It, I mean, they needed a couple more takes to get that good. Yeah. I, I think my trouble with his character um, more or less stems from, I feel like it's a little bit hollow. I mean, just his character kind of in general. I feel like his character, while he is... You know, he, while he is well defined, like he has a goal and everything, um, I also feel like I, I guess I wasn't. Maybe it's just me. I just wasn't able to connect with this character. Um, I guess as much as I was with the original Rocky. Now I don't really want to compare it to that because it is a completely different story, um, as as much. But I guess it, I I liked the character. I, Michael B. Jordan's performance is really good. I just think like the character of uh, Adonis Creed a little bit hollow from at least from my perspective. It's not necessarily a bad performance. Um, at all. Uh, it's just that I wasn't, I, maybe it's just me. I just wasn't able to connect with this character as much as I was uh, with at least Rocky in the original fun. That's interesting. I felt like I didn't really have any problems necessarily connecting with this character because I think he was given enough emotional weight that he is really struggling. And you can see that early anger from Juvie and losing his mom and just trying to like fight and look out for himself. That comes back when he does like get mad at Rocky. Um, he's got that rough relationship with Tessa Thompson, but I will, pers- I will say that his performance is only made stronger by Stallone and Thompson mm-hmm. on either side of him. And I think those three characters work out really well in this movie. Um, was surprised we get a, get a little bit of a sex scene for a Rocky movie. Yeah. Um, right in the middle <laughs> of Rocky's living room, too. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of gross, honestly. Right, yeah. right with the turtles. Yeah, yeah. My only other, I guess, negative, um, for me, and this also kind of stems from the first fight that we have. The first fight was great because it, we talked about it earlier. You know, it's all done in one take. It's really kind of cool because you're like in the ring with these two fighters, as if you're with, uh, with as if you're with Donnie at the same time. Um, and they do the same thing, kind of similar to the final fight when he's walking out. Um, where they just it's one long take. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have to say I wasn't as engaged with the final fight, and that's not necessarily because it wasn't done in one take. It isn't something spectacular like it was with the first fight. Um, I guess just for me, I wasn't as engaged with it because I felt like the first fight um has a lot. It, it's uh, technically, I guess, it is very spectacular to see, and it's okay that they didn't follow it forward. But I feel like maybe just the build up to that to that final fight wasn't didn't keep me nearly as engaged as what happened before the ending to me, the ending, the ending like climax to me, I I was okay with it, but I wasn't like wowed by it, I suppose as like with previous Rocky films where they really build up to it. I never really found that fi- the final fight for this one to be something that I was super engaged with. 
it's not bad, but it does kind of fall flat for me. I was in, I agree. I was still engaged with the fight, but I don't think I had the emotional investment that I did, especially with the first Rocky film and even the second. And I would say the excitement for that fight was real. Like it was almost like I would be excited for a real fight with those mm -hmm. at least first two films for me. And I don't think the series has ever been able to recapture that. And even you're right with this Creed one, I'm just not as excited. Now I'm still into it. I want to see how it plays out, but there really was something special with that first Rocky fight with Creed. And I feel like of all the movies, maybe for me outside of Rocky two, this one at least gets close to having the visual um, aspect of engagement. Um, I know you liked Rocky Balboa, how that was filmed. And I, I will say, okay, I will say Rocky Balboa. I really liked that was basically filmed like a real fight. Mm -hmm. That was unique and different. Um, I do like, we do get a little bit of that here, but um, it's much more kind of up close and in your face that is different. But yeah, uh, the excitement level for me wasn't there. Um, the one other thing about this final fight is it's a little too theatrical the way it begins for me with that fire breather when oh. Ricky comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I guess it shows how like boxing has changed and become, I mean, you know, the other movies had those like over the top spectacles, but to me, this felt a little too music video ish. Yeah. I can um, see the other thing is I didn't like that um, Ricky Conlon basically doesn't have any muscles, whereas um, Creed is really ripped. Um, the other Rocky movies, Creed, I mean, everybody has just been jacked. And this one, except for Antonio Tarver, was like, I guess, more realistic with his boxer's body. Mm. Ricky Conlon is that way as well. I just feel like when I see somebody that's super muscular against somebody that really doesn't have muscles that also I, I, my excitement deflates. I'm like, Oh, this really isn't going to be some big brawl, honestly. Right. So what did you think about the ending? Another split decision. Like that's kind of become a staple at this point of, uh, with Rocky films. Um, are you, do you like it? Do you not like it? What were your thoughts on the split decision ending that we have again here? I mean, I get that it's a homage to the original film, for those that are aware of it will mm. find that interesting for me. I personally didn't like, like it just for the fact that it's been done a lot in this series. And honestly, I think I would have liked it if Donnie would have given it his best, but he ultimately would have lost. Um, but it was very close. I think that would have been more realistic, especially for this first time fighter against a veteran fighter. And I, I don't know for me, I think Donnie should have lost and I, I would have liked that better. Yeah. I mean, they do ultimately give it to Conlon in the very end. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's again, going the distance that we have from the first film again, um, where he is able to survive with Conlon in the ring for all, I think actually this time it's 12 rounds, um, instead of the 15, but yeah, I do kind of agree with you. Uh, it's, Again, at this point, it feels almost like it's a bit rote that they are doing oh, another split time. decision, um, <laughs> which is not necessarily a bad thing, except that it's been done a number of times in the previous Rocky films. Um, it's not, I guess, too big of a deal to me, um, but I would have liked maybe something a bit, a bit different in my own eyes, just because we've seen this before, um, that split decision. So I, I like that, you know, it's, 
it's the it isn't a, Donnie doesn't exactly win. Colin does you know retain the title from the from the beginning of the fight to the end um, because he, the judges do go in his favor. So there is that to to, to contend to you know now that he is leaving behind that the legacy of he well he walked out as the champion still, um, but there's still that fact that this has been done before. So, what do you think of the final? scene in the film where Donnie and Creed walk up walk up the steps together and look out together over Philadelphia and Rocky struggles to get up the steps because mm -hmm. he is still undergoing chemo as far as we know still getting rid of the cancer from his body I mean I didn't really think about the steps but when that was the final scene I, okay I gotta know what did you think of it I think I ended up liking it because it is kind of like a it is kind of symbolic of passing on the torch, right? Um, we it was holding off on those steps until the very, very end of the story, which is like one of the most famous shots of all the Rocky films is Rocky at the top of the steps, right? So I see it mo more or less as um, passing on the torch. Rocky is struggling. He does get up those steps, but he's struggling, right? He's he's not nearly as um, as strapping as he used to be in that original film or those original films, I guess I should say, because it happens more than once. But either way, um, I, I, that's why I saw it. I was okay with it. You know, that it's more or less just passing on the legacy because this film is very much hearkening on that theme of legacy. Rocky's passing on the legacy now to a new guy, which is Adonis Creed. So I was okay with it. I liked it. Yeah, honestly, I loved it. I thought it was a really touching scene. And the fact that they saved that and they just didn't have Creed run up the steps and just kind of make it very meaningless and cliche. The fact that they had them walk up together and it, once again, it was really hard to see Rocky struggle mm -hmm. getting up those steps. But the fact that they were doing it together made it a lot more special. Um, the only thing I guess that could come close to it was Rocky five when Stallone goes up with his actual son yeah. together and that's just kind of like a fun endearing father and son moment in real life and on screen but to see this actual carry emotional weight to it which originally was never an emotional scene it was more of just a triumphant victory but um i really was shocked that they went there and they did it in that way it was a smart move but that honestly kind of solidified it for me that this movie is for me, actually, a serious emotional drama. It's not mm -hmm. just a sports movie. It's not just a cash grab. It's not just the seventh installment for no reason. Kugler is making this a poignant scene and a poignant film. So I was really pleased with it. And I will say the other thing that I was surprised about was I asked my wife, I'm like, hey, I need to watch this for the review. Are you curious to watch it with me? And she was like really reluctant in first. Yeah. She was super invested in this film. Really? Especially by the end. Oh, yeah. And then even afterwards, because um, she knew I was, we were going to review Creed 2. And the next day, she was going to go out and do something. And she's like, are you going to watch Creed 2 while I'm gone? And I'm like, um, yeah, maybe. And she's like, well, well, did you want me to watch it with you? And so I actually, <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Yeah. That... Um, Kugler was able to make a movie that was really investing. And I think it's not just because of the story, but I do think it's also um, Tessa Thompson is a really great female character 
in this that yeah. works really well and you do are invested in their relationship and curious to see where these characters go for the sequel yeah so absolutely. if that isn't enough of a endorsement right there then let's just go ahead and say it alan what is your rating and recommendation for creed so as i mentioned multiple times i i knew from what I, or i guess from what i had heard about creed it was a good film right and it was a bit surprising when i heard it because i know rocky Everyone knows that Rocky is like one of the big American films, right? It's one of the biggest ones of all time. So I was surprised that Creed, a spinoff sequel uh, kind of film, was really good as well, right? You don't always see that, especially nowadays. So I was, I didn't really know what to expect coming into it. I, I'd heard that it was good. And when I finally sat down to watch it for this review, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I felt like, again, every, there isn't any wasted space here. Nothing that is in the film Everything that's in the film has a really important place in the film and not work without it, right? It's it's something that I've found to be very interesting. I was not expecting at all to be as invested in this film um, than what I guess I thought it was going to be. Um, just judging by what happened with other these kind of these kinds of films that happen as well, because this is nothing new for 2015 and it's still nothing new nowadays. Um, I do have some problems with it, as I mentioned before. I feel like this, the biggest one is I feel like the final scene just kind of fell flat for me. And while the choreography was great in the that in the one take long um, two round fight, um, I felt like it was kind of lacking in this in this final scene. But that still does not necessarily mean that I wouldn't come back to this and I wouldn't watch it again because I absolutely would. I was pleasantly surprised with Creed. Um, passing on that new legacy to a different fighter because Michael B. Jordan now has, I mean, if he's going to take kind of like, if he's going to take like some of the plates of, of Rocky, you've got some big shoes to fill, especially because of how big the Rocky name is. So he definitely plays his own character and that's the best thing he can do. And he does it very well. While I think his character might be a little bit shallow, the, the performance that he gives off is top notch. So absolutely, I'm going to give this a recommend. I think I'm going to land on a seven out of 10. Um, very surprising. This is incredible that Ryan Coogler has masterfully breathed new life into a 40-year-old franchise with powerful directing and writing. Through nice references to previous installments, Coogler shows he has serious respect for the saga Stallone crafted years prior while spinning off a dynamic new direction for the series. Honestly, I was shocked at how good this movie is. If Coogler was going to have his time at the Academy Awards, it should have been for this movie instead of Black Panther. From the score to the editing and cinematography, and need I mention the acting, this is all around a solid film, and up to this point, my favorite installment in the Rocky franchise. Ooh. <laughs> More on that in a minute. Creed has a genuine heart. This sequel isn't here to make money. Instead, the storytellers pay homage to the original, all the while creating a compelling new narrative. There are some minor issues I have with this film, but not enough to seriously degrade the overall product, unlike previous Rocky entries. Creed receives 8 stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. So, yeah, honestly, Alan, of all the movies, if if you can say it now, of just the Rocky films, Rocky 2 is still my favorite. But of all of them so far, I gotta say, if I'm just going to pop in one... It's got to be Creed. And just even even so far overall with storytelling, with characters, I find Creed to actually be the most compelling and watchable for me. 
And that, I think that's a fair judgment because it is, you know, a different Rocky film. If you really want to, con- if you want to, re- you know, keep it in the same in the same package, it is it is a very different Rocky film, but also one that's a bit more modern as well. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that you're not the only one to actually ever think that. I think that there are probably plenty of people who would much rather prefer Creed because it is a more modern tale of of Rocky with its own spin on things than they would the original. Um, so absolutely, I can definitely see why. Alan, is it a pickup or pass for home media? Yeah, I think I'll pick it up on Blu-ray at some point. Um, definitely. Yeah, this is one that I like the first one. I didn't go out and buy it immediately like I, like I did the first one, but I will most likely <laughs> yeah. pick this one up on Blu-ray. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm really glad I have it in my collection. Well, it should be no surprise that this movie is going to get a sequel. Yeah. I mean, it made pretty good money in the box office, so no surprise. It made pretty good money, but on top of that, it had a great life even after the box office. Uh, People were talking about it. It was at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Um, Critics and audiences alike just straight up loved this movie. Absolutely. So it's no surprise, not long after, January 2016, um, Stallone and the CEO at MGM at the time confirmed Creed 2 was in development. The only problem is Ryan Coop, Marvel Studios mm. saw this movie and they swooped in and they snatched him up to direct Black Panther, which ended up being a smart career move since that movie was nominated for Best Picture and all kinds of other uh, Oscars as well. And it yep. went on to win three. It, it got nominated for, it was one of the top like three for most nominations that year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. It had a lot of nominations that year. So that tied him up. He was not able to come on to do, to write or direct Creed 2. He still executive produced. Kugler also is one of those directors that once they work with somebody that they really like, it's like, why don't you just be in all of my movies? So Kugler also snatched Michael B. Jordan up mm-hmm. to play Killmonger in Black Panther, therefore delaying production on Creed 2. Exactly. So with Kugler out as writer, no surprise, Stallone is like, hey, I will co-write this film. I will step in and write this movie. On October 2017, Stallone hopped on Instagram and said he was directing the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. He did. <laughs> well, this got everybody kind of nervous. <clears throat> Rocky 3 and 4. Well, it's, it's not confirmed why Stallone was quickly exited from the role of director. But in December, like two months later... Um, it was announced uh, Stephen Capel Jr. was just plucked from obscurity to helm the sequel. Yeah, and he did like one other film at the time. I think he's on yeah. another project for a Transformers movie. Um, yeah. But he did one feature length true. film and one TV film or one, one TV movie. Yeah, and I thought, okay, is this other movie he did, I think it came out in 2016, I'm like, is it was it like some big darling at, at the award circuit? Not really. And usually sometimes directors, um, well, for instance, Ryan Coogler was at 
cans with Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. And that's why these producers saw his movie and they're like, okay, he's got a lot of potential. Right. I honestly don't know why Stephen Cable Jr. was on Creed 2. Um, he had nothing, um, nothing really that showed he should step in to fill the role. My only guess is maybe him and Ryan Coogler have a relationship and he was suggested to come on to the sequel by Coogler. That's the only thing that honestly makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really surprised. I'd never heard of him before and he hasn't done anything since, except like you said, I guess now he gets to do the big, big blockbuster with right. Transformers. I right. Guess. Ellen, what do you recommend uh, the listeners check out after watching Creed? The Karate Kid 2010 remake. That's what I'm going to recommend. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I think that they are somewhat similar because um, you do get to see like somewhat of a new actor come on and take the role of sure. of a main character. Now, it's not like this one where you have re- like you have the main character returning, but it's close enough, I think. I am going to recommend Black Panther, even though I'm not crazy about that movie. I can't recommend Fruitvale Station yet, but I do recommend you at least see what else Coogler did after this movie because he brings like his whole crew with him. He brings Ludwig Gorenson, he brings the editors. I don't know about the cinematographer, but he does bring his style. And of course, he brings um, Jordan onto the film as well. So honestly, after seeing this movie, I kind of want to just rewatch Black Panther to pick up on some of his director trademarks and see what else he does with that. Yeah, I, I, I can also recommend Fruitvale Station. Um, I mentioned earlier, it, it's pretty much, um, it's pretty similar to Creed in some ways. So definitely check out, if you liked kind of like the filmmaking style here, you might very well like Fruitvale Station. So that's another recommendation I can give. So the question after the show is, is Creed the best in the Rocky franchise? Or maybe even another question, can we actually rank this in the Rocky franchise? I'm going to, maybe some of you won't and you choose to kind of separate them since this technically is a spinoff and not necessarily a direct sequel. But yeah, I'm curious to see what you think, listeners. Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we will see you next week with Creed 2. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. 
So don't forget to share with your friends and family. And we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Oh yeah, that's another um, side effect of COVID is you burp all the time. Great. <laughs> yeah. So Miranda's always like, what the heck? And I'm like, I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> so if you have seen the Rocky movies, are you curious? If you haven't, does this get you interested in the franchise? So I forgot to watch the trailer. <laughs> what? Uh, so uh. we can come back to this afterwards. <laughs> okay. I wrote a paragraph. <laughs> Anyways, while all of this is happening, Wheeler and international champion Pretty Ricky Conlon, played by somebody I didn't write their name down. I wrote this about um, uh, 3.30 uh, in the morning. <laughs> Ricky Conlon, Tony, Be- Tony Ballou. Tony Ballou. Okay, there we go. In a point in final scene, Rocky and Donnie walk up the Philadelphia Art Museum steps together, one step at a time, into an optimistic figure. Ugh, crap. Run on sentence, where do I begin? In a poignant final scene, Rocky and Donnie walk up the Philadelphia Art Museum steps together, one step at a time, into an optimistic... Gosh, optimistic. (laughs) Not opportunistic. That's right. <clears throat> okay. Because <clears throat> you can't have Creed 2 without MBG. M- M- I was trying to say his initials, but that didn't work out. MBG. MBG. <laughs> MBJ. My gosh. Anyways, uh, we'll just cut that. <clears throat>